Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite video games. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my cybernetically enhanced, well, at least hopefully soon to be, we'll see if we can find some robotic body parts in the bin here for you, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Um, I'm okay. <laughs> there. That'll convince people. That, that will sounds, absolutely convince people. That sounds people. like I mean it. Uh, so we're doing another episode of uh, basically a non-Blizzard story game uh, for this one. We are continuing our Cyberpunk 2077 discussion, as was requested by uh, Patreon supporter Adele. And we're going to be doing this periodically. Uh, and I've talked with the powers that be. Uh, in the future, for Patreon supporters, uh, you can go ahead and start watching our Patreon channels. We're going to start putting up polls on what games you want us to cover that aren't necessarily Blizzard-related. There's a lot of them out there. Matt and I play a ton of them. And uh, you can send them in to us, send us what your ideas are, uh, what you want us to cover, and we'll put a poll up and see what the community wants at large as a way of saying thank you to our Patreon supporters for allowing us to continue doing this while we expand our coverage. Uh, as always, those episodes will come with a bit of a spoiler warning, uh, as this one will as well, as we're going to be covering uh, things that you probably would have gotten story-wise on your own, but, you know, we got to put that spoiler warning in there uh, ahead of time. Now, when last we left off, we were just talking about basically the entire introduction sequence of Cyberpunk and what it actually set up for the world at whole. And it left us in a place where you had just been essentially murdered and brought back to life, drug out of a dump, and are now being chased at this point by cybernetic ninjas? Uh, because that is the type of game that this is. So, uh, when last we left, you were, I think it was a Nobu, not, not Nobunaga. What was the name of the, uh, the bodyguard? I cannot remember him for whatever reason. Takamura. Takamura is the one that finds you and he knows, yep. he knows that something is amiss and he knows that you, uh, for better or ill are the key into figuring out what's going on and assisting in restoring honor or making things even or bringing things up, which is why he helps you and helps you escape. Uh, and it becomes important later because he is a chief contact as far as advancing the story, but it also sets up your relationship beyond the opening sequence with everything that's happening in the corporate world, because that is essentially what this game is about is not just navigating the city, not just navigating your own personal trauma, which there is a lot of it that you are dealing with right now, including just having been shot in the head and now seeing cybernetic ghosts. Cause that's a thing that happens uh, dealing with the death of your best friend, uh, possibly your only friend. Uh, I think it winds up being your only friend until you continue on the storyline for, oh, I think every life path um, <clears throat> it, it is, a really interesting way to showcase what people that are in that corporate world are like and how it relates to you. So what what do you think about the next sequence after that, the death and rebirth, I guess we'll say. Matt. I mean, the, the car chase sequence, I think it's really good to set up, you know, the kind of stakes that you're in because your character, the, the character playing V is barely alive during this entire sequence. And, uh, there's just it's there's a really interestingly cinematic quality to the chase scene. It's it's a really well done sequence. I, mm -hmm. I remember playing it and thinking this is really good. But it also shows you you don't ever actually get to see the moment where Takamura decided he believed you were not uh Saburo Arasaka's murderer. You never see it. Because when he when you are pulled out of the dumps, like you actually 
you're not pulled out of the dump. You pull yourself out mm-hmm. and you are crawling on your, on your like belly trying to get out of there. And the, the fixer that set you up, uh, I can never remember his name. That's unfortunate. Cause he's actually a really important character. Um, but he, he shows up with Takamura and he is clearly after he's already shot you in the head, he's attempting to sell you out to Takamura. And he's like, you know, here it is here. She, here he, she is. I always play female V. So I'm always she, but you know, that there they are. Uh, now, you know, we can just write this off. We can be done with it. And Takamura takes one look at this and just shoots him in the head. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he puts you in the car and says, yes, he call he actually calls, um, the Yorinobu Arasaka, he calls him and says, I have found your father's killer. So he believes you're the killer when he finds you. And then you wake up several hours later and now you're in a car chase and he gives you a gun and tells you to start shooting at things. And there's no, there's no part where you don't ever see what happened to make him think otherwise. Aside from, make him, aside from, I think getting attacked by stuff that he can clearly identify as Arasaka Corp tech. Yeah, but why did they attack him? You know, this is all stuff that your character never sees. And so the game never gives it to you. The game is very selective on what it gives you that your character can't see. It's it's actually a really interesting storytelling aspect of the game is that almost everything you get is in some way accessed through V. Like if, if V didn't ever witness it and doesn't ever read about it or doesn't ever hear about it, you don't know it. Yeah, and that's different than a lot of other games that are, are of this type, right? Like, even in the the Witcher games, like, they make a point to try to get rumors and story elements to you, because even though you're playing as Geralt, you're essentially playing through a storybook, and, and it's something that to sort of keep in mind with those types of games. Here, there is a certain aspect of, like, an absence of information that directs the story, and that is one of the more fascinating things about... Uh, the storytelling in this game and and the lore that you uncover, and yeah, it's stuff that you find out if you if you see it like if you if the lore is known to you, it's because you went out and got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and to try and make it like to try and actually get us further than we got last time because we got stuck in the in the intro. Basically, what happens is Takamura rescues you. He takes you to Victor, who is one of the. Uh, He's the Ripper Doc that you know. He's your he's your friend. He was actually introduced to you by Jackie. He's the one that gave you and, your hand upgrade before at, yeah. the, at the first mission. Yeah. Uh, so he takes you to, to Vic, and Vic does his best, but he's like, look, you know, you're alive, but you're going to die. And you're like, what? Why is that? And he goes, that chip that you've got in your head, whatever was going on with it, when you got shot, all the, 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 the stuff around you that, that controls it got destroyed. Like it's, it's in there now and I can't take it out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's doing something to your brain. It's, it's like, you know, and you tell him I've been seeing these things. I had this like weird images. He goes, I don't think those were images. I think those were memories. Cause I think the chip is literally rewriting your brain to be Johnny Silverhand's brain. That's what's happening to you. And I, this is way above my pay grade, man. I I'm a ripper doc. I'm not a, I'm a good ripper doc, but this is way up there. I cannot, I cannot fix this. You need to figure out a way to fix this. Cause I can't. And if you don't, you're going to die. So you, you get taken home. Cause you're still pretty messed up. Uh, you're taken home by, um, Jackie's girlfriend. Um, which is, and why, man, I am not remembering names today. <laughs> She's really cool. Misty. 
Misty. Misty that's who yeah. she is. She's she's um, a very spiritual person. Yeah, she takes you home and she's like, "Here's here's some meds that Vic got for you that will slow down what's happening. It'll it'll just like Omega blockers. It'll slow down what the chips do in your brain. These ones will do the opposite." And you're like, "Why would I want chip pills that will do the opposite?" And she goes, "Eventually, you're going to hit a point where you, there's no." return yeah where your brain is your brain is too changed these will basically let you just end it on your terms and you're like why don't i just put a gun in my head and like gun in my head and pull the trigger and she's like well then you'd be killing two people and that sets up something later by the way this all of this stuff sets up something later but you get through that then you start having i don't want to call them hallucinations because you're not hallucinating you're at this point, your brain is starting to attack it. Your body is really what it boils down to, because you're dealing with the turmoil of the internal changes that are happening. And you're it, there's an entire sequence where essentially you're fighting against Johnny Silverhand in your apartment because his the the chip is literally trying to wrest control of your body from you and give it to him. That's what the chip is designed to do. That's what it's doing. And also Johnny has no idea what's going on. And that's the other interesting thing too, is is this is the the important part of the sequence is it establishes that Johnny isn't just a collection of memories. He is a full consciousness. He experiences things with you through you and can see through your eyes what you're doing. It's like having a ride along passenger in your brain, but he is not just a ghost. And it's really important because that was the whole point of this technology to begin with, at least that they weren't telling everybody is that they were again, trying to achieve immortality by being able to copy your consciousness, by being able to take your brain out of your dying body and shove it on a computer chip and then either put it into a vat grown body or a cyborg or something later on it. And you, this is the proof that it works at least, but it's only ever worked this one time, but it's only ever, well, it's only ever worked this one time until later on until but. later, but, as of the moment that you were discussing where you start seeing Johnny Silverhand and having like conversations with him and he's trying to take over the body. There's a really interesting uh, exchange between him and you where he says, I can feel this happening. I'm like mold on fruit, Mm -hmm. nothing I can do about it. And he's like, you should just, we should just put a gun in our mouth and pull the trigger. And he's already calling it our mouth. Yeah. And you manage to get the pills and take them and block him out. Uh, and then you, when you wake up in the morning, Takamura calls you and is like, you've got to come, you got to come out and come see me. And you're like, I got things to do, like trying not to die. And he's like, yeah. And then you, that's why you need to talk to me. So you go and you meet with Takamura and he basically lays out between you and him. You lay out the, the options, the paths you're going to take in this game. Like Takamura is going to try to find people in Arasaka that he thinks he can work with, and he wants your help to convince them that Yorinobu, in fact, killed Saburo. Mm-hmm. That's path one. Meanwhile, he tried to talk to the person who commissioned the Heights. Uh, I want to say Ellen Parker, but it's not Par- Ellen Parker. Uh, but her last name is Parker. I remember that much. Evelyn Parker. Evelyn Parker. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. He's like, you should go, you know, I tried to talk to her, but I can't find her. So that's a dead end. And you're like, yeah, maybe it is for you, but I think I can find her. And the third one is like, well, meanwhile, that's all great for, for you that you're going to go try and find her. But you, you know, rogue, the, the person who is basically in charge of all the, the, you know, he's one of the biggest, one of the biggest fixers in night city. I tried to get information from her, but she would not talk to me. Which, because I'm Arasaka. Yeah, exactly. Which, if you remember correctly from the sequence we were talking about last week, 
she was Johnny Silverhand's main squeeze. And uh, uh, it's I would say at the point where this happened, she wasn't his main squeeze anymore. But there's it's a very complicated relationship. But they were extremely involved with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's really actually one of the, the best things about the story is how complex interpersonal relationships can be in it. And that's but, one of the things that I liked, but yeah, jo- she, she's, she was there when he blew up Arasaka tower and yeah, she, she was on that mission, but she escaped and now, now she's, she's like, yeah, she's a big deal fixer. Well, she's not just a big deal fixer. And this is kind of why it's important and why uh, Takamura was trying to go to, to her, She's queen of the fixers. She runs the Afterlife Bar. And the Afterlife Bar is a huge, iconic place in the cyberpunk universe where fixers and prospective runners go to make deals uh, under sort of a neutral banner, right? Anybody who goes there, there's no violence allowed um, unless you are doing something against the house and then violence is allowed upon you. Uh, But she runs it and she runs it like a tight ship. She's very uh, picky about who she allows in. And as a matter of fact, uh, she, you kind of interact with her in the prologue when you're going to meet your fixer for the first heist, because you meet at the afterlife. And that's why Jackie makes a big deal out of it. And he makes a big deal out of it because this is where the big runners go. This is where like Morgan Blackhand went. This is where all the big names of the cyberpunk universe, uh, have congregated at some point. And as a matter of fact, he makes it a point to order a Johnny Silverhand. Uh, he doesn't call it a Johnny Silverhand, but he orders a Johnny Silverhand. Um, and it's, so when you get to when you when he asks you to like go deal with her as a potential way of dealing with it, that's kind of a big deal because you technically have an in. It's it's an interesting setup because you start to see how all these little threads start okay. all tying back I'm, to I'm only interrupting you because go I ahead. just remembered the guy's name. Dexter Deshaun is the name of the fixer. Dexter Deshaun, yes. Uh, but Joe, the thing Joe is pointing out is absolutely correct. Because you were involved in the Arasaka job, because the Arasaka job went spectacularly wrong, because you're still alive, and that's people are like, what? How are you still here? Um, there's there's a lot of like your 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 reputation has gone up even though the job was a failure because you lived, like people, you survived yeah. crossing Arasaka. Yeah, and so now when you go in. And meanwhile, you have Johnny riding around in your head, commenting on stuff all the time. So when you go to the afterlife, he's like, yeah, I'll, you just let me handle it. I'll, I'll, I can get rogue to do anything. And you're like, dude, it's been 50 years. Nobody knows who the hell you are. What am I supposed to do? Tell her, oh, by the way, I got a talking brain tumor that says it's your ex-boyfriend. And the, one of the things I love about this game is the interplay between V and Johnny Silverhand. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. But when you you can decide which one of those paths to take, you can decide: Do I want to go work with Takamura first? Do I want to go find Ev- Evelyn Parker first, or do I want to go talk to Rogue first? And not to interrupt, but this is—I want to point out that this is a very pivotal moment in the game for a couple reasons. We talk about the absence of storytelling earlier on in this podcast, where the things that you uncover are what you know, and you don't know the other thing. So there are things playing out around you and moving on around you that you have no idea about. Cyberpunk is one of those games where other games may tell you that your choices matter and change the course of gameplay. Cyberpunk makes that a reality. And the the huge undertaking that that is, I think, cannot be overstated. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is that first moment. What you choose to do in this moment 
starts out a path of branching decisions that change your story and how you uncover the truth and what truth you do uncover. And while all points lead to the same, well, all paths lead to the same point, the journey to get there is so wildly different that it makes that last, the last like half hour, hour of the game and what happens with that story so different and so differently impactful. And this is, yeah, that I will first actually, moment. I'm going to actually say something. Um, it's not even when Joe says all, all of it leads to the last moment. It does in broad terms, but that yeah. last moment is itself different yes. based on what you've been doing. And you get certain options only if you've done certain things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is one option in particular, and we'll get there, but you don't get this option unless you have done enough of certain things to get yourself to that point. And in order to discover it, the first time I, I didn't know it was a thing, um, but I, I literally walked away from the game and left it going because I had to like I think I had to talk to my wife about something. And when I came back in, Johnny, I was about to say, Well, you know, we'll do this. And Johnny was like, Or we could do this. Yeah, and it was one that and, nobody knew about because a very few people would not make a decision. They'd sit and think about it. Very nice yeah, touch. Absolutely. Um, but the other thing that this introduces, and I and I, I want to try to be, if we get too specific, we're going to be here and run out of time again. I want to try to avoid that as much as possible and just kind of give yeah, you sort of the broader I, strokes. I do. I want to agree with you, and so I want to let you go. But I do think after you go, I want to bring. I want to just break out really fast what happens. So sure. you go ahead and do what you're going to do, and then I'll just come in and just absolutely. Do that real and fast. the thing that I just want to point out is the other thing that this particular moment starts to establish is relationships, and this is something that they they touched on in the prologue. But your reputation and your relationships are what matter the most in terms of how your story progresses. Like you can make choices all day long, but if you piss everybody off, nobody wants to help you. If you make no choices that are good, you can be a lone wolf, but it's those those choices in the moment of who you get to basically cultivate a relationship with. They're the people that you can call on. They're the people that you can eventually trust uh, and the people that you can eventually like get favors from or things like that. And that is kind of a huge thing because in cyberpunk, not only is that how you survive the streets, that is one of these paths of potentially survival of just in general, which I think is wild. It's very important. And I think it took me a while when I first started playing through to realize that that was the point where it started showcasing. These are your relationships that you're going to build as you move through here. This is what's going to define you. So, Matt, please go ahead. Okay. I'm, in order to break this down, I'm going to going to have to assume a certain pathway. Uh, there are other ways to do this, but this is this one will cover the basic events. If you go to Rogue and you say, I need to find the person that developed this chip, do you, and you don't talk about what the chip is. You say, I need to find this person. Anders Hellman is his name. Mm-hmm. I need to find him. Uh, can you help me? And she's like, I can help you. It's going to cost you because I don't do nothing for free. And also, you got to explain to me that, that, that total crap fest you just walked out of with everybody died. Well, what's up with that? Why is everybody but you dead? Yeah. How did and, you survive when the, yeah. the great, the greatest runner I knew couldn't. Yeah. And Dex, you know, Dex is dead. Your friends are all dead. Why are you here? And Johnny gives you advice. He's like, this is what you need to say. Tell her a reminder of me. And you can choose reminder that option. How, yeah. And you can choose that option. You cannot choose that option, but either way, because of that insight, you can get through it. And <clears throat> she gives you a clue. But the, the, she's like, I, this is where, you know, this is, this flight is coming into, into the, into night city. It's coming in through Kang T, which is a, 
uh, a Chinese megacorp. This is the path it's going to take. Uh, the only well, the only place you could hit this is this like podunk nowhere town out in the middle of nowhere, <clears throat> because if it's any closer to the city, both the Night City PD and Kang T itself will immediately hear about it. But this place in the desert is outside of the coverage of both of them. So it, it is the best place to hit them. Good luck figuring out how to do it. But uh, because I because I like, you know, your, your moxie, here's a person you can go make a contact with who can help you. Uh, she owes me a favor. She's a runner. She can do this. If you tell her where her, her truck is, it got stolen, you know, she'll help you. You go out, you make contact with her. Her name's Panam Palmer. And... It's not a tremendously friendly relationship at first because she's like, stop jerking me around. Tell me where my truck is. And you're like, I, you know, I can tell you, but then you're just going to go get yourself killed. And then neither of us profits. Why don't you let me help you get it back? Then you'll owe me a favor. And then you can help me with my thing, which is, as Joe pointed out, that's how this game works. That's how people in this game work. Where, whereas um, like on my <clears throat> playthrough, not to, to deviate too far, but I want the Evelyn Parker route instead mm-hmm. of going through there. And mine was learning about the technology. So like just to kind of give you an idea of, of a little bit of the branching here. Uh, it, so when I went to, to Evelyn Parker, that's where I get introduced to Judy, who's an amazing techsmith. And you start to learn that there's an entire culture and technology and industry built around essentially synthetic memories or taking memories out of people that are essentially selling their memories for people to relive on their own. You want to pretend you're a daring criminal, but you happen to be a corpo guy. You can go ahead and rent uh, this sort of experience of somebody who, uh, you know, goes and robs banks and all you could also buy experiences of what it is to kill a person. Or you can even what buy experiences with to die. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because each path is completely different and what you start to really learn and focus on. And each one is very important to what's happening to V. Both of them are. Yeah. It mm-hmm. just depends on what you choose, which I think is is interesting to note. And but so if you if you do the Penang Palmer stuff, basically you help her get her truck back, you you kill the nomad gang that had stolen it from her, and then she's like, Okay, I've got a plan to take down this A V. And we can get we can get you the guy that you need to talk to, Andrews Hellman. And so you do it, and it works, but it doesn't work as well as you'd hoped. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a complication in that the device doesn't trigger the. You're using an EMP to take down his AV, and through a complication, a lot of the people in her nomad gang, the, the nomad tribe that she came from, get killed. And you and her go off for, like on a roaring rampage of revenge. And also, I need that guy, uh, and you get him. And you, you take him to a motel in the process. You kind of make connections with the other nomads and there's a, there's a connection there that, that comes in later, but what that connection can also be defined by your path. Like if you, if you choose the nomad path, that connection becomes a little, I don't want to say easier, but it's a deeper, it's it's almost like a deeper lore for that character. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas if you're a corpo, it's harder. (laughs) Yeah, but it, it can be done. But the interesting thing is you take, helm into a motel and he and you unlike with the judy path where as he pointed out you know judy you basically find out more about bds and about the 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 idea of people like trying to get other people's memories and all that here hellman lays out for you what the chip is and what it's supposed to do and it's not doing it and he's like whoa okay um you know like can you fix it and he's like well i can get you a good palliative clinic that'll like you know that'll let you die with dignity 
And you're like, this is not an option I wanted you to be giving me. I wanted you to be giving me an option where I get saved. And he keeps going on about, you know, we'll do this, we'll do that. And he's like, you're finally like, look, do you want me to think you're useless? Because I got to tell you right about now, I'm thinking I could just shoot you and walk out, which is when he finally gives up the technical data on the, on the chip, which is helpful, but does not fix your problem. And this is when you get like either at the end of either of these is when you get your first big moment with Johnny Mm -hmm. where he's like, this isn't working. This isn't going the way we want. Uh, We got to, we got to figure out something. And this is where he mentions alt Cunningham for the first time. Mm -hmm. And you knew about vault about alt already a little bit because she's mentioned briefly in the prologue. Alt is the reason for Johnny's raid on Arasaka in the first place. And also, also, Alt is the inventor of Soul Killer. Alt was the best net runner that Night City had ever seen, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much. Like the Soul Killer program, if you, uh, for those that don't understand, it's exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> it is, it is literally what you, what you want to think. It's when we talk about Arasaka doing the secure your soul. Soul Killer is literally the antithesis of that. Although uh, it is also what they use to get your soul to put in the chip in the first place. Yes. Soul killer is the thing that ki- it, it, as Johnny himself describes it, it boils, it slow, it boils slow roasts and poaches you. And then you're dead. You die, but your mind remains alive. Well, in some of the con- mind, not your brain, your mind. Yeah. And in yeah. some of the context with that, alt the creator of this was actually abducted. the first victim was the first victim, which was abducted by Arasaka and experimented on to test the Soul Killer software. Um, yeah, it is it is ridiculously bleak. Uh, yeah, but also, so Johnny mentions that. You're like, who is this person? He goes, I'll tell you about it later. And that cuts to, it, either way, at this point, you have to try and do the other paths. You, you have to try and go and find Evelyn. If you hadn't already found Evelyn, you have to try and find Evelyn. But So I'm going to talk about what happened to Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Evelyn ticked off some very powerful people with her whole trying to like grab the chip herself. She wasn't supposed to do it. And you're basically sent on a, a, a search through a, a club where you find out that Evelyn's job was to be a doll. <clears throat> a doll is like somebody who is a sex worker, but with a twist, they have a chip that will act out the, the person who comes in fantasy, whatever it is. Maybe they want to just sit there and, and listen to you talk. Maybe they want to, to have sex, whatever. But when it's done, after you've been like scanned and your fantasy has been broken down and put in and told to the chip, the person who's the, the doll, the actual body, will not remember any of it. So it's the ultimate form of like con- confidentiality. If you, if, you- if you don't know about what what you did you can't tell anyone what that person is paying you to do there was a sci-fi show that some folks might have uh might remember from i want to say late 90s early 2000s on fox uh called the dollhouse it's a very similar concept so if you've seen that this is kind of where they got that idea from because this was always around in the books as well yeah it's it's much older and it's it's if you've read other cyberpunk novels or you know seen movies it's not new to you this Mm -hmm. is but what's interesting is you go in and you find out that somebody tried to to nuke the the behavioral chip in Evelyn's head while she was working. And you're like, okay, what happened to her? And the guy that ran the club sold her mm-hmm. for scrap parts, basically, to, to a ripper doc. Uh, you can kill him or not. That's up to you. If you do, it definitely changes the future of the game. 
I never did kill him. Uh, I just left. Well, I do kill him later, but that's blah, blah. Yeah. You, you go and you find out where she was, but she's not there anymore because he contacted his fixer, who is a fixer you know. So there's ways you can find out about this without ever going to see him. You can literally never go visit that doctor and find out exactly what happened. If your relationship with that fixer is good enough, she will tell you everything and you never even have to see him. But if you do go to see him, he eventually, after either you're smarmy enough to convince him or you just straight up brutalize him, he reveals what happened to Evelyn, that she, that he he sold and her off to a, to a gang that makes black market brain dances and their snuff brain dances. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the other thing that I want to I want to really put in here is a, a warning, because if you're playing this game, there and, and I think this should go without saying, cyberpunk is a bleak existence. Oh, yeah. That is the whole point of it. And this that makes this game not for everybody. And it can't some of these these moments are true to the environment, but are very difficult to live through or watch or play through. So yep. there is a lot of sensitive topics, especially revolving around Evelyn Parker uh, and the idea of what happens what they, to a yeah, lot of these people. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. It is. It is not good. What happens to Evelyn. Um, Gonna gonna break. I don't want to drag you through the entire thing here. I'm just gonna say, you go, you get her, you bring her back. But she's catatonic. She can't talk to you. She can't tell you what happened. She can't tell you who set up the job in the first place. But Judy can, because Judy can go into Evelyn's behavioral chip and download BDs from it. Mm -hmm. And they're damaged. They're messed up because the people that that nuked the chip did so. But nevertheless, she points you towards the Voodoo Boys, who are a gang down in Pacifica and says, this is, you know, you figure that out. You go down, you make contact through your, through another fixer that, you know, you make contact with them and you take a job where they try to, to, for lack of a better word, screw you over. They don't know that you have the chip, so they don't know you'll survive what they try and do. And you can do, here's, this one's really big. I always choose to betray the voodoo boys. Oh yeah. Same here. Because if you choose to betray the voodoo boys, you don't die again. Uh, and they do like, you can decide to wipe out the voodoo boys or not. And I've always chosen to wipe them out except for the very first playthrough when I didn't. And I just, they, they were such jerks and I'm like, Nope, I'm going with the other option. They, th when you do this, they, they decide, well, we still want that chip you have. Cause we still want to contact all Cunningham. And you're like, excuse me, why would, what's that going to do with anything that she was like a net runner. I don't see the point. And they're like, haha. Yeah, no, she's a, she's like a, the world's most powerful AI now. Which I mean, and, you take take into account the idea of the Voodoo Boys. There's a there's transhumanism is sort of like a thing here, where yep. there's this whole idea of becoming greater than self, and again, it comes back to this eternal life thing, where you know, Alt is the most powerful AI in the world, but that fits in right with the Voodoo Boys' idea of essentially ascension through technology, which is a, yeah. one of their core tenets, right? And that's what they want. They want the reason they want to talk to Alt. And the reason they wanted the chip in the first place, they wanted the chip because Johnny Silverhand was on it. And the reason they wanted Johnny Silverhand was so they could take a piece of his code out and let the internet basically see you know, the, the, the web, see it. And as a result, alt would come to see what the, you know, how is Johnny here? Mm -hmm. And then they would talk to her and they want to basically, they want to be quizlings of humanity. They want to be on the side of the AIs when the war between AIs and humanity eventually starts. Which is something they, you are also introduced to early on as one of your mm -hmm. early quests is dealing with an AI cab company that yep. is fully conscious. <laughs> yep. 
And so you, you, you do all that, you contact alt, you can approach this in a variety of ways, but ultimately after getting to see a big chunk of what happened to alt and why Johnny wanted to take out Arasaka, you now have alt as either an ally or an uncomfortable somebody that you can work with. But either way, you, you've got that, you now know alt. At this point, there's a ton of side quests. They're all really good. You should play them. Uh, some of them are extremely dark and disturbing, like Joe talked about before. But Takamura basically has you. Meanwhile, come with me. I'm going to. We're going to do something really, really, really just mad. But we don't have a choice. He tries to connect up with the bodyguard of Hanako Arasaka. That bodyguard is like, I owe you my life, so I'm not going to kill you right now. But don't even think about ever calling me again. But in so doing, he slips that Hanako is in town for a for like a big parade that's now going to honor her dead father, and then they're leaving. So that's the the date you have to get to her by. Mm-hmm. So between you and Goro, you you figure out a way to get to her. You get to her. There's a lot of shooting involved, and he kidnaps her right in front of you while you're watching this because you're trying to, you're turning off the security for him. He just he hits her with a dart, grabs her, and then goes, V, run! And you're like, oh! Uh, and then you have to run, because you're like, oh god, they're going to find me. You manage to get out, you manage to get a- away from the security, and you get down there, and Goro sends you a location to go to, and you do go there. And by the way, when he tells you to knock exactly four times, he is not kidding. That's not a joke. Mm-hmm. You will die if you do not knock four times. Um, you get in there, and he's like, I got her some tea. And you're like, you got her some tea? You kidnapped like the this is like one of the most famous people in the world. You kidnapped her. Like she didn't want the tea. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not surprised. He makes you talk to her. He wants you to tell her your story. If you're a corporal, you can tell it very differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're not, you can't. But regardless, even Hanako does not believe you. She's more receptive if you're a corporal, but she doesn't believe you because what you're saying is insane. That her brother killed her father. That you were watching when it happened. Um, but... Arasaka shows up and basically I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is meant to be the point in the narrative where Hanako decides to believe you because of this moment. Yeah. Because Arasaka shows up and just blows the wall open and just starts shooting. Yep. At everything, including her. Like she's in the line of fire. Yeah. This was not the action of a concerned brother trying to rescue his sister. This was the action of somebody trying to clean house. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you manage to, you fall through the floor because they, they literally shoot the building that much. You escape. You can choose a thing here I'm not going to tell you about, but you can choose it and it will really change how the ending of this game can play out. Uh, but regardless of what you choose there, Hanako then later on contacts you. She Another one of those dolls is used. She actually uses it as a proxy. Like So the doll, the chip turns on and Hanako uses it to talk to you and says, all right, I believe you now. And we're going to need things if we want to actually stop this. One of the things we're going to need is Soul Killer. If you've already talked to Alt, you already have access to it. Mm-hmm. If you haven't talked to Alt yet, you have to go do that in order to get it. But, but this, this is, all, is where sorry, this the, is all you go ahead. This is another point where branching paths can happen. Even in that moment with the parade, you have options and choices that change the way mm-hmm. that the story mm-hmm. plays out. You can save Takamura. You can you can save the bodyguard. That was the thing I was not going to tell them. You can choose not to either. But. Yeah, no, I know, but I wasn't going to tell them because I didn't want to ruin that form. But whatever, if you've if it's you, a choice. It's a choice, and it is an astonishing choice if you do certain things later. Yes, 
But I just wanted to point out that this is a moment you can choose. You can change how the story plays out. That's all. Yeah. And you can also choose to kill or not kill Hanako's bodyguard. Not Mm -hmm. boyfriend, bodyguard. Uh, There's a lot of decision. And you can do this in a variety of ways. Um, But at this point, if you've done everything we just mentioned, you now hit what they call the point of no return. Yes. Uh, There's a lot of other quests. There's stuff with with Kerry, Eurodyne, and Rogue. But that's not... That's not the main story, so we're just going to say it's cool. You should go play it. Well, but in, hold, in the hold main on a story, there, go ahead. There, no, no, there, there are some points that I think tie into this, and I just want to point that out. It is absolutely worth doing the side quest because one of the things that starts at this point after the point of no return is if you start embracing Johnny or not. And mm-hmm. there's there's a there's an element of of that choice, and those side quests help inform it uh, because yeah, absolutely. There are certain things like one of the coolest things that I think the game does is you can actually swap who's driving. There are moments where you can choose to not be in control. And for a game that's all about you playing it, it is a very interesting and deliberate choice. And it yeah. can be a very surreal experience because you can let Johnny come to the forefront and do things while you can actually see and experience what's going on. Um, it is... Yeah, you're still playing. I'm going to make this clear. Yes, you're, still you're still playing during this start. But now it's... The decisions you make are are Johnny decisions. Yes. I also, I mean, I I will say this too about this entire thing. If you want to actually understand Johnny Silverhand as a human being, as an actual person, and not merely the the jerk jackass guy he has always been, but the the actual person underneath it, these quests are necessary. And if you do them all and you do them right, there's a point where Johnny actually straight up likes you. Yeah. As a person. Yep. And. It opens that further things up later. It opens further things up later, but also it's just, it changes the way he talks to you. Um, there's a part in this where after you've done something for him and he's, you know, he's like, I'm starting to regret that I asked you to do this, which is not something that Johnny would ever have admitted to before. And you're like, why? You said this was important to you. He goes, yeah, but it's not more important than you are. And that's huge. And that, that's the thing. The other thing about this game that is so fascinating to me is that this game's story really is the redemption of Johnny Silverhand in a way, mm-hmm. especially depending on what you do. Like, and so we get to that, that point that I mentioned where Hanako's like, okay, we've got all we need to do what I want to do. And here's where you get to make some decisions because the chip starts really killing you. It's like okay, I'm I'm done fighting. You're going to you're going away now, so that this other person can take over the body and starts hammering you, and you barely make it back to Vic. Vic barely he doses the crap out of you with the mega blockers. But he's like, look, this is wearing off. This is not going to keep working. If you have an idea, now is the time to do it. And Misty's like, come with me, and takes you up to the roof where where she and jo- and uh, Jackie used to hang out, and is like, yeah, I, I used to take Jackie up here when he was worked up or upset or whatever and let him think about when he needed to think yeah yeah and so you get to have a conversation with johnny about what you're going to do next and the game will let you do a lot of things uh the real surprise to me was that the game will let you straight up just end it right there it will just let you stop and and very finally end the question of whose body is going to turn out to be the answer is nobody Mm -hmm. you can do that the game will let you and that's like I said before, they talked about the gun in your mouth. They, this actually is an ending and it will immediately end. Like it will immediately cut to everybody you've met and made contact with throughout the world, throughout the time you're playing, basically being like incredibly pissed and, and angry and mourning 
And like, you know, how could you do this to us? And it's, it's as somebody who's had life experience in that. Yeah. It's, it's astonishingly powerful. It is also really dark. So be warned about that. But the other possibilities are you can go ahead and do what Hanako wants to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you save the bodyguard, it's even more likely you'll you'll want to do that because you know you've kind of connected with Goro at this point. That's one option. Or you can call up your your uh, nomad friends and say, "Hey, uh, I got a problem now. I've helped you guys out a lot. I've done a ton of stuff for you. I need help from you now." And depending on your relationship with Panam, either she'll like be gangbusters to help, or she'll still be like that could benefit us, so I'll help you. Or you can call Rogue up and let Johnny do it. Like mm-hmm. you can, you can hand control over to Johnny and let Johnny and Rogue go into Arasaka again. Uh, these are these are all the possibilities. Except if you wait, if you've done enough of the right stuff, if you wait a good solid five minutes of actual time, sitting there doing nothing, making no choices, don't speak to him, just sit there. After that time is over, he'll go. But do we really want to get anybody else killed? I mean, if we're gonna die the two of us are enough to die, right? We don't need anybody else for that. And you you are like, yeah, you can say yes to this. And then you go in without any help at all. You were just, you are just walking into Arasaka to deal with things without anybody helping or assisting you. And these lead to some very different possible endings as does the relationship you forged with Johnny over time. And uh, go ahead. I, this is one of those points where I don't want to, to to harp on the endings or really lay those out because I think that getting to those points is part of its own reward in playing this game, and I think that might be a little bit beyond the spoilers. Um, what I will say is that it, it, this moment really showcases the beauty and breadth of this game. And when we Matt and I are, I don't want to say uh, have been obsessed with this game, but we borderline have been. It, I also say I was obsessed with this game <laughs> for like 10 months. And and before that, me. And there's a reason for that. It's because every time you play through anything in this game, any decision you make, everything about this game, the world, the quests, the decisions, all fold into a, a, essentially emergent storytelling. And that's one of the really big, strong points of this game. There is no wrong way to play. There is no wrong choices to make unless you decide that they're the wrong choices later on. Everything, they're the wrong choices for you. Exactly. And that's one of the, yeah. the things that I love about this game is it's an infinite story almost. And with DLC on the horizon, that is supposed to continue on where this one leaves off, depending on what ending you have chosen. It makes a vast difference in like the length and, and, and longevity of that story. But mm-hmm. everything comes back to one point. And Matt and I have talked about this a lot. Your story is almost inconsequential in the grander scheme of things. Yeah. And the story is really about the living and breathing character that is Night City and is the corporations in life that are all contained within. Everything is an interplay between that. This quest for immortality only really takes place in Night City and through the corporations with Arasaka. It only takes place because Alt is the one that designed it, because Alt was the greatest Netrunner, and that was the future. There's uh, decay and death and destruction as, as much as there is life and vibrancy. And that's something that I think yeah. a lot of games overlook, too. And and to bring it around, like, walk, if you play this game, walk through the world. You don't have to pick up a quest. You can. You don't have to immediately go do a quest. You can. Just walk around. And it's 
incredibly ambitious of what they did here, but it is a living and thriving city in a lot of ways. It's not perfect. Let me, I want to talk about something here. Go ahead. There's, I remember when I, I, there's a certain quest where you, you, you go up and you run into a monk and that monk wants you to go rescue another monk who's been kidnapped by uh, a gang that likes to chop body parts off and replace them with cyberware. And they've already done it to the monk you run into, which is against his religion. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, you know, please go save my friend in that area. Whilst you're doing that or not doing it. And you can do that any way you want. There's a shopkeeper who does not want to sell things to anybody. He hates his job. He hates you for coming into his shop. And I'm like, it's just such a little moment, but it is perfect. It's perfect because he's just like, you shut up, go away. And and you're like, um, I want to buy some weapons. And you're, he's like, go ahead, then buy them, whatever. I don't care. And it's just like, it, it has, it has no real Impact. effect on the story at all, but it is such a perfect little moment of night city. Just being night city, or, the place where you go to the weapon shop and the guy doesn't even want to sell you guns or talk to you. And, and, there's a hundred thousand of these. That's yeah. That, and that's sort of the point of it, right? Like there's so many of these little moments you can come across crimes in progress and choose to, to participate. Uh, or you can choose to let the cops handle things and walk back. Uh, mm-hmm. There's that there's moments where you can take odd jobs. You can wander into a shop and next thing you know, the shopkeeper has a job for you, right? Like yep. that. I found a, a random quest like that at one point and it, it gives it, it, it makes the game and world feel big and there are these moments yeah. in these set pieces like when you're on the outskirts of the city and you're dealing with you know pan am and the nomads or you're dealing with uh basically anything outside of night city proper where you can actually look and see like it it's an interesting visual juxtaposition because from a distance from a very high view everything looks clean and pristine and lit up but then you go into the city and you realize how squalid a lot of the lower streets are. You realize that there's this division in people. You can run across junkies that are just completely out of their mind because that's where their life has taken them. You can run across uh, people who just are poor and are getting taken advantage of. You can choose to help them. The game is all about that city being as alive as possible. And Yeah, and the, 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 this is really a big part of... All the endings, all the endings relate to how you deal with Night City. Do you like, do you try to rise to the top to be the, the ultimate predator running around on the city? Do you try to escape it? Like, I want to be out of here. Do you like surrender, you know, like in a very real, very personal way you surrender and somebody else will be handling these situations. There's a, there's a lot of this. Yep. The choice you make is in relation to the place you're making it. And also there's this really great, like little quiet moments. Like I'm going to talk about one, one of the possible romance options for, for female V is, is a cop named river. Ah, uh, yep. Yep. River himself. I mean, kind of a dork, but he, he, he's, it's, it's, I, I, I kind of find him endearing in his dorkishness. Uh, but there's a moment where he takes you up on a water tower and he's, you know, he's trying to be as seductive as he knows how, which is, you know, he, he's a cop. He doesn't have a ton of um, charm, but he, but he's trying. It's, it's endearing. He's, he's left the force and he's trying to figure out what to do with his life. And he's, he thinks you're great and wants to, you know, date you. And he takes you up there and he, he's like, you look, he's like, this is a great view of the city. And depending on like the, the path you took, there's responses you can take, you can make. But one of the, the best ones from the corporate one goes, from out here, it looks great. Mm-hmm. 
it looks like you know so beautiful it's hard to realize hard to remember how terrible it is in there and it's just there's these moments like that there's a moment where v tells stories about uh the her the worst pickup line she's ever heard even worse than the ones that that river is using and those are different depending on what you've done in your life too it's just there's a lot to this game it is joe talked about emergent storytelling but it isn't just emergent storytelling it's fractal yeah the tiniest little bits pick up it's like they're rocks rolling down a hill they pick up speed and become something else uh like there's one quest where you're going around like looking for people who are going undergoing something called cyber psychosis mm-hmm. where they've they've had so much cyberware put into their bodies that they've they've lost they their brains literally cannot handle processing this much stuff and this one person's like i want you to do this but i want you to like take them alive because there's supposedly a cure for this and you're like, yeah, okay, I've never heard of a cure for this. But but you can decide. You can just kill them all. You don't have to, t- to take them alive. And you'll still finish the quest. The person who gave the quest won't be happy with you, but you can do that. Mm-hmm. Or you can choose to actually take them alive, and it's a lot harder, but you'll have made a connection with somebody who will, they now like you. And it's it's really interesting how like those each of those quests has a story built around it. How did this person get to this place? And they can lead to other things mm-hmm. too. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's one of the other things. Like, I don't want to just like interrupt Matt here, but it's 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 important to note that every time you do something like this, it can lead to other threads because it is literally a fabric woven of like a thousand upon thousand threads of 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 you know well threads. Yeah, uh, we say that the city is a character, but the city is a character made up of all the people mm-hmm. in it. And, and yeah, there's some janky stuff in the game. I mean, there's some stuff that just seems weird or it doesn't really work, but just like, do you remember the quest where you, you're out, you just stop at a diner for no reason. Yep. And then people come in with guns to rob it. Yep. And you can, you can kill them or you can just say, you know, you can talk them out of it. Like, dude, you're on gang turf. You shouldn't be doing this. Or you can be like, dude, I have fought Arasaka and lived. You think you can, you can step to me go ahead do it. And if your reputation's high enough, they back down. Like they're like, Oh no, we don't want to, we don't want to tie tangle with you. We're, we're done. We're leaving. And it's just, there's so many little moments that, that your actions have influenced what happens in this situation. And it is very much that like Joe used the tapestry. I'd almost use a mosaic or like a pointillist, like a comic book panel where all the little points that actually are the, the drawing. When you get in close, you can actually see it's all made up of little points. Night City is like that. It's pointillist. It's like all these little moments that lead you to seeing what Night City is. And Night City is not it is not a kind or gentle place. Yeah, it's it is, pointillism it is, is a really much. great pointillism is a really great analogy. And it's it's from far away it looks smooth and, and pristine. And the closer you get to it, the the further you dive deep, you start to see the space between the dots. You start to see the cracks. You start to see the imperfections. And that's one of the things I actually appreciate about this game. A lot of one of the reasons I go on about this and one of the reasons I even threw this to Matt, not just because I knew he was a a fan of cyberpunk in general, because, you know, it was sort of what we grew up on. Uh, it's it doesn't romanticize it the same way that a lot of other nope. entries into this this category have done in the past. I, I love Shadowrun. I think Shadowrun's one of the best role-playing games ever made. I really enjoy it. But Shadowrun glosses a lot of stuff. The, the books, the tabletop RPG stuff does. The stuff that Catalyst put out later, though, like yeah, the actual games themselves, are more in line with this. They're more bleak. Um, yeah. 
it's the, the, but it, even then, because it's got magic, it changes things. Sure. This is a game where technically everything is physically possible. Yep. And that means sometimes things do not go your way and there is nothing you can do about it. In the words of Jean-Luc Picard, it is possible to do nothing wrong and still lose. Yep. And Cyberpunk, the, the universe of Cyberpunk 2077, a lot of people did nothing wrong and they still lost big time. And And that's... I don't want to say like the good thing about it, but it's, again, it doesn't sugarcoat it. it, it yeah, it is. It's it is distinctive. In, it's distinctive in that regard. And that's why one, it's one of those games that I recommend that if you can stomach a first person shooter, which I know a lot of people can't. And that's definitely the perspective that this game was, was built around and you don't mind bleaker aspects of it. It's worth going through, especially if you like a deep story or an ever emergent story. I'm actually gearing up for yet another playthrough of it because I want to see anything else that I possibly have missed. And I've got, I don't even want to look at how many hours I already have in it. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those games that I recommend for people that really do like story driven games because the amount of stuff that you can uncover and even not just from a macro level, but from a micro level are just phenomenal. And it's. It's dirty, it's deep, It's it, a lot of it feels real, and the fact that everything you do actually does have an impact on how the story progresses is mind-blowing to me because of the scope of this game. It is a, and it's a massive, massive game. Yeah, uh, if you decide, like, if you decided you wanted to play through the, the main story quest and just that and get done as fast as possible, you could probably finish it in 50 hours, maybe yeah. even 40, but that would be leaving out a solid 60 hours of quest content. And some of it is like, some of it's really germane to what the game is about. Even if it's not part of the main story, the paralysis stuff, absolutely germane to the entire message of this thing. The idea of this, this, this game is about identity, about memory, about persistence of it, about who you really are and who you become. Like there's a quote from Takamura. He says something like, and I can't remember exactly, but he says something along the lines of there are there everyone's hands are dirty, but it's important why your hands are dirty. And you, and he's pointing at V here, goes, You dirty your hands for money. I dirtied my hands for my principles. And Takamura believes that. Like he means it when he says it, but throughout the game you see that everybody thinks they, they always justify it. Everybody comes up with a reason why it's okay to do whatever they want to do, you know? And it is a part of the story is like that. Who are you really? Who are you when it comes down to it? What decision do you make? You know, do you throw somebody else under the bus so you get to come back? Or do you decide to let somebody else have the wheel? It, there's a lot to it. it. There's just so much to this world that is such little things will point it out to you too. Like just, you'll be driving along and you'll find this thing happening. You'll find like a doll in a, in a like on the street, or you'll find a gun that talks and it this you think it's going to be goofy and it turns out to not be goofy like it's it's for real yeah and and that's really the one of the reasons why i think some of our listeners out there you guys wanted us to highlight this game but also why if you've listened to our other podcasts matt and i have occasionally slipped into this uh or the the last year where i declared that pre-show of blizzard watch podcast was essentially the cyberpunk half hour uh, there's a reason for it. it. It's something that I think speaks to us as far as storytellers goes. And it's something that I recommend if you don't mind some bleakness, some, some dirt and honestly, the there's, first person shooter aspect. Yeah. And there's, there's some content warning stuff in here that yes. I think is important. I mean, a lot of the stuff that happens is really horrible. 
and yeah. maybe you can't take that. And that's, and that's totally fine. That's totally cool. fine. Yeah. I, I had, there's one quest where I had to stop playing and go sit down and think about it before I decided to continue. Um, it, it did not pull punches. It did not hold back it. And, and it was the sheer mundanity of it was what made it worse. Yeah. And, Cause it was just, you know, it was just there and it's just awful. And I, I remember to this day, it affects me. And when I do play the game again and I do that quest, I always do the same thing because of just how bleak it was. So yeah, there's definitely reasons not to play this. And if you don't like this, I totally understand. But just in terms of how it goes about what it's doing, it is remarkable. Yeah. And and again, I we cannot stress that enough that there that it is definitely something you should be mindful of. And we understand that not everybody can deal with everything as far as that goes. And, and again, that's totally okay. And your choices, we respect them. Uh, but we just wanted to take the time to highlight what we thought was a, a very good game and not even the loading screens, even the loading screens give you story moments. Yes. And they're good story moments with character interaction in the, in the loading screen. And, and if you're playing it on a good console, the loading screen lasts 12 seconds, but you know, whatever it just, it is, it is really an astonishing in a lot of ways. It is so much more than I ever expected for this game. It, it exceeded my expectations and I, and I'll, I'll, before we, we call it, cause we're roughly at time. I'm just going to echo what Matt said when cyberpunk was very first announced all those years ago. And it was a long time ago before it was released at 12 years. It was, a, yeah, tw- tw- yeah, yeah tw- it was 2012. It got its first major announcement, right? Yeah. 2012. So it was, it was almost a decade of, of production and release plus whatever was happening before that. Um, we, a lot of people just expected the Witcher, but in a cyberpunk setting and they expected it to be a contained story and they expected it to be something that was going to be much more linear than it was. And what we got surprised me. And I think Matt said the same thing here. It's, it's surprising how much they actually put into crafting this experience. And yes, it's not a game without its flaws. It has warts. Uh, it's not a perfect game. It has. I have said, I have said before that it is very much the best Bethesda fallout game that they've ever made, except Bethesda didn't make it. Yeah. But it is, it is that stuff people liked about fallout three and fallout new Vegas and fallout four. It's got a ton of that, but done in a completely different way. And it is, it is, I honestly, I wasn't interested in this game. I was not going to play it until I wouldn't shut and up about it. Joe talked to me about it for a month straight. And finally I was like, fine, I'll give it a shot. And the next week I remember coming on to do blizzard watch. And I was like, dude, dude, did you know this? And he's like, yeah, I know that way. I've been playing it for like three months. What? And I'm like, no, but what about this and this and this and this? So yeah, it is. It does have warts. It does have flaws. It does have things that I would say for some people it's not, but then it's got characters like Takamura or Judy or Panam. Or, you know, there's so many characters in this game that you will just plain don't want to see more of. And it's the, the reason we go on about it, too, I think, and, and I'll, I'll close it after this, is I, I really hope that we get more experiences like this type of game in the future. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is a lot of stuff that, like, I wish the Bioware games were as involved as this was. I wish that there was... To be fair to the Bioware games, they were made a long time ago. To be fair, uh, that's that's yeah. that's that's true. But I hope we get something in like the Mass Effect universe I, or even the Dragon Bioware, Age universe that's as deep as this. If Bioware, if you play this game seriously, play it. You don't have to make a game this bleak, but you could definitely learn from how they do approach storytelling. Yeah, 
I would you agree. definitely need to start putting in stuff. Although that was there, there. The thing is, I've been playing Legendary Edition, and there's moments like that in the first Mass Effect. There are. Yeah. So. But it's. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, you could close it out, man, because otherwise <laughs> we'll just keep going. But yeah, hopefully we'll see more games that take that sort of uh, cinematic and immersion storytelling cue to heart. But Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com uh, slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience. And as a continued reminder, those of us at Blizzard Watch, we do stand with not only the employees of Activision Blizzard and all of their subsidiaries, but the entire game industry as a whole as they fight for better work environments as they fight for equal treatment and as they fight to end crunch culture which i think when we're talking about cyberpunk we also have to acknowledge that there was a whole lot of crunch involved in the making of it and we we don't condone that uh so but we do want to thank you very much folks uh again be sure to send us any questions that you have you can send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com or through any of our various uh, channels over on Discord. If you want us to cover a particular type of game, make sure you ping us. Let us know what game you want us to cover that maybe isn't a Blizzard-related game. We're still going to cover Blizzard games. I want to make that perfectly clear. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not abandoning it. We just want to you know, expand out a little bit uh, and pay attention to our Patreon if you are a supporter uh, for those polls as they'll go up periodically to help determine what the next uh, non-Blizzard game we cover is. But folks, I hope that you have a, a safe and enjoyable week. We'll see you next time.